How's it going, everybody? Hope everyone's having a fantastic day. I invite you to pull up a chair, sit back, and relax, because it's now time for another episode of the Spima Council Podcast. Now, at the time of this recording, uh, it is about late August right now, so assuming this gets released in September, first-year students coming into Brock Spima, welcome to the program. I hope you've had a couple days to get settled. If you're in residence, to get to know your floor mates, that kind of thing. It can be a stressful time for most people, so I do hope you're doing well. And second, third, and fourth-year students, welcome back and get ready for a great year. Um, For this podcast, uh, we have a special edition um, to the hosting side. Um, We're bringing bringing him on just because um, he was the main reason we got our guest to be uh, on the podcast today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome from SPEMA Council, Ryan Hindman to the podcast. How's it going? I'm doing great, Will. Glad to be here. Thanks, thanks, Ryan. Okay, now on to our guest. He is a Brock Spima alumni and a direct, and currently the director of corporate partnerships for Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group, which owns the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Ottawa 67s of the OHL. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Bennett to the Spima Council podcast. How's it going? I'm great, guys. How are you? Good, good, good. All right, so uh, what I'm going to have you do is uh, tell us a bit about yourself, uh, starting from Brock Spima to where you are now at your current position at Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group. Yeah, sure. Um, I got my start uh, at Brock a long, long time ago, uh, Labor Day weekend uh, in 2000. Um, computers were probably five times the size of what you guys are working off of right now and <laughs> nobody in our class had laptops everybody actually had to take notes but um yeah my my, my time at uh, at brock was 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 awesome it uh, you know met uh, a ton of incredible people that i'm still very close with now uh was heavily involved with busu and, and working at isaac's and um you know teaing through throughout the program and, and really enjoyed enjoyed my time and um when it was done uh, wasn't sure where I wanted to go, whether it was teacher's college, grad school, law school. Um, ended up taking a gap year and then uh, was lucky enough to, to attend the University of Windsor and, and their master's program. Uh, at the time, Brock didn't have, have a master's program, so was looking elsewhere for grad school and was lucky enough to get in there. And, and through that program and that curriculum, uh, how to do an internship for for credit and uh, was lucky enough to get on um, with the Senators um, the summer of, of 06. Mm-hmm. And that carried me through really till, till 2015 in a variety of roles um, across community marketing and eventually into sales and business development, uh, which led to uh, my transition um, here at OSE mm-hmm. in the summer and fall of, of 2015. Uh, and uh, and since then um, have has been uh, really uh, you know um, at the forefront of driving revenue for uh, for all three of our teams uh, as well as uh, third party events uh, was involved in the Great Cup festival in, in 2017 uh, and continue to be involved in uh, in other youth sport and other uh, world class events that, that come here to to TD Place and and uh, and yeah I'm responsible for uh, for building and, and driving. Uh, you know, effective sponsorship programs for uh, for our partners. That's cool. That that's really that's really really cool. Quite the journey you have there, and um, obviously, uh, we're going to elaborate on that and your experiences throughout this podcast. Uh, Ryan, why, why don't you go ahead for the ne- with the next question? Yeah. So uh, we noticed that after Brock, you worked a little bit with the uh, Capital City Condors, which is a, a hockey club uh, based out of Ottawa who is uh, a part of the Canadian Adapted Hockey Alliance for anyone who has special needs. Uh, What is your fondest memory and any lessons that you may have learned that you uh, got from this experience? Yeah, the the Condors um, were uh, an organization that, uh, you know, I had the privilege of of working with. Um, I was one of the founding board members of that group and worked really closely with Jim and Shanna Perkins, the two founders uh, of the program, you know, for me, um, I think my, you know, affinity to um, inclusive recreation and those sort of programs really goes back to my university days, you 
um, with cerebral palsy, uh, acquired brain injury. Wow. Uh, and different, uh, you know, different different challenges in, in, in their lives. And, and it was uh, something that I kind of just fell into. My, my One of my roommates and best friends was, was camp director, and he needed some help. And, and uh, you know, it was one of those, you don't realize at the time, but one of those um, transformational moments. And for me, um, it really struck a chord. And um, I, I carried that, you know, with me from from that and, and into my career. And, and so when I got to know Jim and, and uh, the Condors, it, it was kind of a no-brainer to help them. And really my, my role at the time was at the Sensplex, uh, which is a four-pad rink here in Ottawa. And, and the Condors were simply looking for ice. They're, you know, the, the cost of ice, uh, you know, is, is so expensive for, for not-for-profit groups that yeah. we were trying to find ways to, to get them involved. And, um, and you know, so I was able to, to work with them and, and, and really see that program grow. The first time, you know, they had kids on the ice. They had three kids, and then, that, you know, the next week they had 12 and up to 50. And, you know, now there's, there's, there's hundreds of kids, uh, not only here in Ottawa, um, but across um, across the country. And, um, and I know, obviously, um, and I'm sure, you know, got lots of press a few years ago, but Kyle and Julie Tillis are we're, we're two of the honorary captains and ambassadors of the program. So now with, with uh, them, um, you know, uh, in, in Nashville, uh, I know the Condors were just down in Nashville uh, a couple months ago visiting them. So they're they're looking to, to kind of wow, keep that, that tradition. That's cool. Yeah, you know what? I, I think the, the Condors have been really, really lucky. Um, you know, there, there was a really strong bond between them and the Senators. And, and you know, organizationally, there was some 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 uh, um, synergy, but, but it really was. It started with Matt Karkner, um, who really took to the team and took to the kids and, you know, went above and beyond um, his um, role as a, as a hockey player. And, and it was just something that, that he, uh, took on, and, and when he left, um, you know, he kind of passed the torch to, to Kyle and, and his wife Julie, and, and since they've left, uh, Mark Borowiecki and, and his wife Tara have, have, have kind of stepped up to be, to be that ambassador, and, and really just, you know, obviously the kids, you know, love being around those those guys, and, and um, so, you know, for me, they, you know, I, I'm not as, as involved as uh, as I was in those early days, but if I look back on them, them fondly, and, you know, for me, um, I think it's just a, a really great example of um, how sport really transcends, you know, gender, cultures, and, and in this case, abilities. And, and, you know, it's a program that is uh, completely inclusive uh, and really gives kids a home who can't um, or, or who aren't able to or not allowed to play in, in regular minor hockey programs, but, but still have the passion for the sport and, and want to be around, uh, you know, around their buddies and, and you know, the the locker romantics and, you know, the Google away tournaments, all the things that their, their siblings or their neighbors do, um, you know, through, I guess you'd say traditional minor hockey teams, that, that it's really replicated um, through, through the Condors. That's really, really cool. Um, two things that I, you know, want to take from that and um, want SPEMA students to especially pay attention to. Um, you mentioned that uh, you got involved uh with the Condors from uh, from a from a roommate, is that what you said? Yeah, you know my, my roommate um, was involved in Market Dime, so you know my first exposure to inclusive recreation and you know and and that world was really yeah was was, was just my roommate was who's you know uh, he was a recommendation student and, and had a passion for inclusive rec and, and it's you know that that was really my my you know my uh, gateway or first exposure with with that. Uh, yeah, that's that that's that's pretty cool, and it, it just shows that connections can come at any at any corner, whether it be um, someone you randomly meet at a sport sporting event, or in your case, uh, a a roommate. So, so again, always try to build those positive relationships with anyone that uh, you could that you come across and you think could benefit you in the future. But. Um, in terms of special um, needs and adaptive sports, it, I think it's my personal opinion that they kind of get overlooked when people think about sport. When, 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 when you say sport to some people, they don't immediately think um, adaptive sport. They think like pro sport, people competing at the highest level, and you know, no, no disrespect to the professional game at all. But I think. 
um, special uh, competing or helping with uh, people who have special needs in sport is the most fulfilling. And um, if you don't mind, um, I'd like to share a story of uh, one of my experiences um, where <clears throat> I actually I actually help I actually helped um, in in that category. If you don't mind. Okay, so um, here's the story. This was back in uh, grade 12, so this would have been uh, the fall of 2017. Um, I was in this um, uh, fitness leadership class, and um, I got a, and uh, our class got approached by the uh, special needs teachers to help their kid to help their uh, kids um, with a basketball tournament, and they would need like. I'd say about nine, ten helpers um, to coach. So I, vo I volunteered, not knowing what to expect, and we got paired with a. Um, I got paired with a student to do one-on-one -on -one sessions with before we'd have team activities, and it, it was really fulfilling because this kid had um, a, bu a bunch of issues, mainly being that he was visually impaired. So. Teaching the kid to play basketball while he was visually impaired was a challenge in itself. But as you start going through the practices, you realize that if you pay attention to the kids and you genuinely care about them, like <clears throat> the results are going to be insane. Like you you wouldn't expect them to be what they were. Like this kid who was who was almost blind, like went from not knowing how to pass a basketball to making perfect bounce passes and actually scoring actual baskets while shooting. I didn't think that would, that would have been possible, but it's just, it's just, I, I, I can't really explain it. It's just, it's just nuts how when you really care and donate your time, they'll, they'll pay attention and try their very best to master every skill and you know it and um that led to our that led to our tournament which everyone did very well and you and as was coaching you could all you could always see the joy in, on those kids faces because you know not only were they playing a sport and getting active they were they were represent they were representing uh my high school at that time so it's it, it, it was just a very, very meaningful, meaningful experience uh, to be a part of. Something that I will uh, cherish for the rest for the rest of my life. It, it, it was a, it was a great experience. Um, did you did you um, and building off off that? Did you ever did, Matt? Did you ever get to interact with uh, some of the kids in the Condors? And if so, uh, describe those experiences. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, um, whether it was um, at the hockey rink or, you know, we, we'd have events, fundraising events, uh, or any golf tournament was always a highlight uh, for everybody. Um, you know, kids would be on every hole helping raise money and, and, uh, and getting involved. And then, the, the, you know, the interactions are always positive. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're around their friends. They're, they're involved in a, in a sport that they love. And, um, you know, I think for, for those that were involved in, um, you know, the, on the organization side, it was really just giving them an opportunity, um, getting, you know, securing ice time, getting volunteers, and, and really just giving them the opportunity to, to belong and participate in something that they love, which, you know, I think, I think is really the, was, was always the main goal, um, as opposed to, uh, it was never about, um, scoring goals and, and, uh, and, and the game. It, it was really just, you know, more about, um, being out there with their friends and, and, and giving them a sense of, of belonging within that community. I, I, to I totally, I totally agree. The game uh, provides greater meaning than what any score or stat line can tell you, especially when these kids are participating and having fun, because that is something that you cannot that you cannot replace, and you gotta see it to believe it. And when you do, it it's probably one of the mo one of the most amazing things that you that you'll ever see. So. topics a little bit we, we we noticed that back uh when you were at brock well not sorry after you were done at brock uh you you were a mentor and we just kind of want to touch a little bit on what was your philosophy when it came to being a mentor and what was like what was that experience like for you 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, it, it's funny because I know now the, the mentorship program has really, um, under the guidance of, of um, Dr. Kerwin and, and some of the other profs um, within the department, it's kind of taken on a, another iteration. And, and um, you know, I know it was uh, finished a really successful year last year, but whether it was, you know, kind of the first go around or, or last year and, and I'll be involved again this year, I think, you know, for me, I, I don't know if it's a philosophy, but I, I think. It's just a, a great way um, to stay connected um, to um, to the you know the professors that are there. It's a great way to stay connected to uh, fellow alumni, and, and obviously a great way um, to get connected to the, the next wave of, of uh, leaders and next wave of people that are, are going to be looking for for jobs. And, and I think it's really important. Um, you know, we, we I was lucky enough to have you know people. Um, ahead, uh, ahead of me in, in the program, and, and you know people that I'm still in touch with that I, I lean on as, as mentors that, that came through SEMA, and I think it's I think it's just a great way to pay it forward um, for those students that are that are still there, and and a great way to stay connected. Yeah, I know personally, uh, just having that relationship with alumni has really helped me, and like specifically with you, like I know we've talked a little bit. Um, when you came on alumni day and we've had a few different conversations since then i think that was really helpful for me just getting to learn from a uh, an alumni who's already out and has had a successful career as a professional so um just having that uh that alumni that mentor to um kind of rely on a little bit has really helped and i think it can help a lot of students yeah, I appreciate that. And I think, you know, like, like you said, I think it's a great way and it doesn't have to be formal. It can be very informal, but again, it gives you, I think it gives current students and, and recent grads just a, um, a real great connection and gateway into, uh, into the industry. And, and building off uh, your point on connection, um, it, it's, it's, it's huge, especially when you're uh, looking in the context of, um, you know, relationships between uh, first or second year students and um, and, uh, and upper year students. You know, the more that people uh, interact with e- interact with each other, the more connected um, the sport management program is going to be as as a whole. It it and and um, if it and and um, once uh, you build on that, it's um, it sort of, it sort of makes it feel like. Um, like its own little its own little community in 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 a way, you know, you uh, you interact with a uh, upper year student, whether it be through a mentorship program, or <clears throat> whether it be just um, saying or just saying just saying hello. Uh, you could rely you could um, rely on on uh, that upper year student for uh, for ref- for references. Same same with alumni. Same with alumni as well. Um, now, uh, before we get into the um, uh, next question, I do want to do some uh, promotional work here because uh, the Sport Management Council has um, <clears throat> entered as uh, partnered with the Faculty of Applied Health Sciences to create an excellent mentorship program available for upper year students if they are looking for an opportunity which which will provide them with excellent life skills and experience as well as giving back to the Brock community. As a mentor, you will be paired up with an incoming student in the same department and assist them with their transition from secondary school to Brock University. In this case, the department would be sport management. Numerous workshops and activities will be held throughout the year, which you can attend with your mentee, which will help your and your mentee's professional development. If interested in applying, please fill out the Google Forms in the Brock Sport Management Council Instagram bio. Or, if you would like more information regarding the program and involvement, please email brock.spemacouncil at gmail.com or message us directly on Instagram. That's brock.spemacouncil at gmail.com or message us directly if you have any questions or comments. It's a great program to get involved in, and I highly suggest that the upper year students do so. Now, moving on to um, your, um, back, or back to the professional life, uh, you've worked. You have you worked for the Ottawa Senators for just over nine years, and you have just started your fifth year with Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group 
as professional sport is a major interest to many SPEMA students. Can you touch a bit on how you originally got your foot in the door with the Senators and how you came to the decision to transition to OSCG? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think my my story. I know. I think I, I talked a little bit about it at Alumni Day. I mean, it's 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 somewhat uh, cliche. Um, you know, when I was scouring internships um, back when I when I was in in Windsor, um, you know, uh, in, in two thousand six, um, I was literally leaning on every every connection I had. And, and um, as it turned out, my uh, my mom worked at a hospital with. Randy Sexton's wife. So, for those that aren't familiar, Randy Sexton, who's now the assistant GM in Buffalo, was uh, the founding uh, GM and president of the, of the Senators, and, and was involved, you know, in, in bringing them back to Ottawa in the, in the early '90s. And you know, was, was at the Bell Sensplex at the time, really leading their their community development. And, and so, uh, I got his email, um, harassed him. I think he was probably just sick and tired of, of hearing from me. So, um, after about. <laughs> Of, uh, of follow-ups, you know, he brought me brought me in for an interview. There was no posted job. I wasn't applying to um, to a specific role. It was really just, you know, I'm willing to do whatever whatever you need, whatever the, the role is. I'm just looking to learn it. And um, so that you know, transition to um, and, and the timing is right. And I think that you know, the sense class had just opened. They were looking to grow. So my first you know summer there was really just jack of all trades on all of their community and grassroots sports initiatives so hockey camps born four leagues uh prep school showcase all of those sort of things and really doing everything um from you know manning registration desks to managing on ice staff to marketing to the financial um reconciliation after after these events were over um and that role didn't exist in, in that organization at the time so they created that role for me and i stepped into that role um as um you know as a full-time um employee and you know i think you know again i think timing timing was uh was everything and, and you know I, I think you know you, you talked earlier on connections and i know you know being around uh, a few of these alumni days and, and some of these mentorship programs everybody talks about networking and it's I think it's. I feel like it's almost an overused buzzword at this point. But um, you know, it, it's really about leveraging your network. You know, and uh, and you never know where those connections are gonna are gonna come from. So you know, and, and from there, um, you know, I, I was just able to to parlay that that role into, into a few other various roles um, over over nine years. And and um, you know, and, and as far as um, you know, tra- you know, my my transition. Um, to, to leaving OSEG, you know, it wasn't uh, like like many of these transitions. Uh, it wasn't something I was I was looking for. It, it, again, timing. Uh, I just happened to be on um, on a speaking panel uh, at Algonquin College um, with um, my my now uh, boss, and, and you know, we didn't really know each other, so I you know invited invited him out for a coffee, and um, you know, by by the end of that conversation, uh, you know, had, had learned there was a role available and, and one that I was interested in and, and so went down went down that process and you know for me um, it was a tough decision uh, I had you know really grown up professionally at, at the Sanders and it was very fortunate um, for, for the opportunities I had there and you know I still uh, still miss a lot of the, the you know the people I work with and and you know the grind um, that that is involved in, in in that in those roles and um, but it the OSEG opportunity, and at the time, uh, you know, Grey Cup hadn't been announced yet, but we knew it was coming. Uh, so the chance to work on that, the chance to work with, um, you know, three brands versus one, um, and, and really to push myself at the time outside of my comfort zone, uh, I think was was really intriguing. Not not to mention the leadership group that we had here, um, you know, led by Bernie Ash at the time, and and, and our ownership group, and it was just uh, it was uh, it, it was the right at the right time and, and as you know I, I, I uh, had a couple sleepless nights on you know when I made the decision but uh, you know five, oh my, I guess yeah you know uh, this time later it's uh, it's definitely proving to be uh, the right decision for me um, you said that um, the Ottawa the OSEG job um, allowed you to um, step out of your comfort zone did you have any did you have any like hesitation or moments where you're like 
uh, do I accept? Do I do I accept this job? What if this job isn't right? Isn't right for me? Or were you just all the way? I'm taking I'm taking I'm taking this job. I know it's going to be a great fit fit for me. Let's do it. Yeah, great question. I mean, you know, for me, uh, having you know, when I went through the interview process and just getting to know Sarah, um, who's our who's now our, our senior VP of Sport Business Ops, and getting to spend some time with with some of the executives throughout the interview process, I knew culturally this was an or, you know organizational culturally fit wise. It was going to be it. Um, I think you know it, the challenge ahead of of you know driving revenue across three teams instead of one, and um, with with lots of other ancillary events coming down the pipe. That you know that was was daunting. But I you know I, I don't I didn't really um, you know once I kind of my gut. Um, had you know indicated this is I think the right decision. It, it was you know I was all in and, and uh, you know it was at that point was a, was an easy decision to make. That's that that's a that's a really 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 good point. Um, I think that you know when people come across uh, new op- new opportunity, um, some some may some maybe ha- some may be hesitant. Some may doubt themselves a bit. But uh, you're a great case of. Um, being confident in your being confident in yourself and uh, trusting that um, you're that you're um, <clears throat> that uh, the opportunity presented to you will uh, pay off and pay off in the long pay off in the long run and you'll be able to um, <clears throat> to uh, live live a happy happy professional life. So any op- so any so SPEMA students any opportunity you come across and you think that it'll be- it'll benefit you and you have the means to do it. Just go for it. It's it, it sounds simple, but just go for it. You're at a time where you can take those risks and and you and you can make and you can make and you can make decisions without uh, without worrying about too much. So again, just go for it because you never know what might happen. Yeah, I think really good to, I, I yeah. Um, one of the execs descends, you know, kind of through, you know, through the, the kind of the exit interview process, you know, he, you know, he, he wished me well and, and said, you know, the boldest moves you're going to make are at the organization, not within the organization. It, it's, it's hard. A lot of these sport organizations, especially professional sport, um, you know, maybe MLSE notwithstanding, um, you know, they're very flat, relatively flat organizations. So there's not a lot of, um, it's not like a bank or a massive bureaucratic organization where you might have, you know, six levels between, you know, a, a C-suite and a senior manager. So, you know, when you're working in sport, I think, you know, I think that really rings true. And, and sometimes, you know, to get those upward movement or those, 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 uh, you know, to take those chances, you gotta, you gotta take a bit of a leap of faith outside of the organization. Awesome. Um, and now, from a previous conversation I've had with you, and a little bit of digging on your LinkedIn profile, um, I know that you have had a significant hand in organizing some of the youth programs in Ottawa through the senators, such as the uh, Bell Capital Cup and the Spring and Summer Three on Three programs. Can you touch a bit on how that kind of community aspect to professional sport is important and uh, how how important is keeping youth engaged in the brand that you are trying to sell? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think those were, you know, the Bell Capital Cup, you know, at the time, uh, back in 2009 and 2010, those were, you know, we were, it was the largest hockey festival or hockey tournament in the world. You know, we were 500 teams. You know, I, you know, we used to, um, I used to keep a tally of, uh, you know, some of the players that would roll through there and just absolutely dominate because you, you know, you kind of wondered and wanted to keep tabs on, on where those, you know, where those kids would, would end up. And, and now yeah. you're seeing some of those guys, um, you know, like Tavares played in that tournament, Eric Branson played in that tournament. Uh, oh man, I'm going to forget the whole bunch here, but you know, like I, I remember Blake Jenkins, well, you know, not yet in the show, but he's, he's you know, tearing up uh, the OHL right now. Like with a name like Blake Jenkins, it was hard not to, uh, <laughs> not, not to, uh, you know, <laughs> 
name on on uh, on all you know the, the stats page, but um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it was a really great opportunity and, and kind of one of my first opportunities to to really see how sponsorship could help um, an event like that. Uh, we worked with some great partners, obviously Bell um, Canadian Tire, uh, some local partners and suppliers for you know everything from trophies to uh, Coke was a was a huge partner of ours for you know post game. Uh, post-game drinks with Powerade and, and Minute Maid and you know that that was really um, you know my, my first glimpse of, of how sponsorship and partnership can enhance community events but you know I, I think now I look at it from a different lens on and to your point you know I think community um, is a really important piece and, and you know I think the, the people that are still you know doing great work at the Senseflex or here at, at OSEG with um, you know our community programs Mark Slubin and, and Greg Amiel here at OSEG and, you know we're out we're thousands of hours out in the community um, running a goals program at, at schools running um, you know community community practices with the Fury FC and, and Giant Tiger and uh, you know out with local soccer communities or just doing you know kind of surprise and delight gym takeovers where you know, the 67s will just surprise a, a grade four gym class and, and play floor hockey with them for a morning. Those those kind of things that I think are, are really at, you know, the forefront of what our organization is trying to do and, and then aligns really nicely with partners like Canadian Tire, Giant Tiger, TD, TELUS, and, and really captures, um, you know, their, their CSR strategy and, and you know, cause the, the CSR and, you know, their, their, their corporate um, social responsibility is, is for the most part a pillar in what they what they try to do and um, you know for us it, it's about you know uh, creating fans for life right everybody remembers the first time they walked into a you know hockey arena or they don't remember the score oh, yeah. you know, they don't remember you oh, know yeah. probably couldn't name two or three players but you guys probably have you know a puck you got a mini stick you got um, you know the you know the the, the Jays batting helmet that you eat ice cream out of, right? Like those yeah. those experiences are, are beyond um, what the score is, and it's about creating wow moments and about creating fans for life. And I think that's you know in in our sponsorship world, um, you know having companies invest in those types of programs really. Um, allow us to to um, create those those wow moments and create those fans for life, and that's why I think here, you know, at OSEG with our foundation and, and you know with the mandate of trying to get you know kids off the sidelines and, and into the game and, and you know increasing access for those that might not be able to afford it or um, you know might not be able to travel to, to play sport. It's you know those are and you know, we really rely on on our corporate partners to help us um, make those make those programs uh, happen. That sounds like a really, really cool experience. Um, a couple things that um, <clears throat> that I took I took from that. Um, obviously, you were heavily involved um, on the sponsorship side with um, the Bell Capital Cup tournaments, and uh, the partner the partners uh, you named, such as Bell, Minute Maid, Powerades. Um, I forget the others, but. In the context of a hockey tournament, they all make sense, and um, I, I have to imagine that's a huge thing within sponsorship. You know, you don't really you don't um, chase partners just for the sake of making partners or um, or doing advertising with those companies. You have to make sure that the whoever that, that you're working with aligns with a particular demographic or you have a specific purpose as to why you're partnering with them for example powerade it's it's pretty easy for uh, for hockey ter- for hockey tournaments providing uh, sports sports drinks to players um, <clears throat> that that'll uh, that always uh, lights up uh, minor hockey players fa- faces um, and um, and and bell and bell too. Maybe it doesn't it doesn't really necessarily uh, appeal to the kids, but um, it does it does to the parents and for those who maybe are uh, considering a new cell a new cell phone plan. Um, and 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 another thing with uh, regards to uh, corporate social responsibility, um, I personally think that having a high uh, corporate social responsibility in any company is required today. Like goodwill is such a big part of uh, leaving your mark in a community, in a, in a community because 
You get because you get so much good good PR from it, and it gives you a chance to uh, maybe gen- generate additional additional business down the line while making those special special connections and experiences that uh, you never forget. Yeah, no, for for sure. And I, you know, I mean, you touched on it, right? But the core of, of what we do in, in partnerships is is uh, is finding that fit, right? Yeah. There, um, you know we're challenged with finding you know the right fit and the key to its authenticity right like it's very obvious and people can smell through the bs when when you can tell uh, a company's just slapping their logo on something just for the sake of doing it it's you know it can be lazy and and uh, you know the partnership the true partnerships that that work um are, are ones that you know, um, where, where there's been dialogue or there's been discussion around objectives and, and the program that's created is specifically curated for, for those objectives. And, 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 you know, that, that's where that, that's where that authenticity comes from. Um, I do want to, um, move on to the next question, although those are uh, some really, really good points about, um, how the whole partnership and, uh, sponsorship, uh, business, business, business really works. Um, obviously, obviously we can see that, um, it's a fine, it's a fine balance between finding the right partnership and finding the wrong one. But, uh, moving on to, um, actual trends in corporate, in corporate partnerships. Uh, and I, and I bet you got, you, uh, guys probably keep track of those. What are some current trends, uh, you're encountering with corporate partnerships in, uh, the sport industry? Yeah, I mean, I mean, great, you know, great question. We could probably have a whole podcast, um, or you know, you could probably get a few people on here on a panel discussion to talk about, um, you know, what what those trends are. I mean, you know, I, I think you know, one of the biggest ones, um, you know, this is fairly obvious, um, is really the shift from true, like, call it sponsorship and branding, where you know, you're you're leveraging rink boards or. Um, logo placement to, to communicate your message that a shift from there to really uh, people and brands want experience their their customers their clients uh, you know they want to be able to touch it to feel it to experience it um, so you've really seen this shift from I mean don't get me wrong you know there, there's still I think a place for the branding piece and, and you know that that's still um, you know part of the, the the programs we build but there's definitely, you know, the, the activation dollars that are going into some of these deals over and above sponsorship fees is, is, is increasing every year. Um, and that's simply because the, the market and, and people are demanding more. People, people want to be a part of these packet, these programs and these partnerships. And, you know, I think, you know, we, we've, we've talked about community. I think that's, you know, an enhanced or, you know, um, something that has changed. And I think more and more brands want to be more and more active in the community and, um, when when it comes down to the valuation side of our business, I think you know the the the, the buzzword that you know has always been thrown around is ROI, right? Return on investment. You know, what are we getting? What's yep. our ROI? What, but I but I think that at least you know, in my opinion, it's really been a shift from ROI to ROO, right? What's the return on objectives, right? What is what are the objectives that we've laid out? You know, kind of in this relationship to frame up this partnership. And how are we delivering on those? And I think that is when you, you know, you're talking, especially some of the larger brands that we, that we work with, you know, they, they have such, you know, intelligent, engaged uh, marketing and sponsorship specialists on, on their teams now. Um, you know, there's so much dialogue around objectives and, um, and how we're, 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 um, we're measuring them, that that's really the, the true measure as opposed to here's what we're investing, what are we getting back? Um, I, I think now it's much more a, a conversation around around the objectives versus the investment. Awesome. And uh, now just moving on a little bit, um, I, we've kind of touched on a few things throughout the, the duration of this podcast, but through your, uh, your time in the sports industry and a couple of different sectors and different organizations, is there any like lessons or advice that kind of stood out to you that you would want to pass on to student students that are uh, in the program now or maybe uh, interested in uh, maybe attending the program in the future? Is there anything that kind of stands out to uh, you about 
young professionals aspiring to make it in the sports industry? Yeah, that's a lot, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, no, I, you know what? I mean, um, I, I think, um, you know, one, I would say be open-minded. Um, you know, I, I don't think many people um, know, you know, the minute they walk onto campus or the minute they graduate exactly what they want to do. Um, and that's okay. And I think the more open-minded you are, to new experiences, new locations, you know, and push yourself out of that comfort zone. I think you'll you'll be amazed at, at the opportunities that, that present themselves. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, and when I see now, you know, obviously hiring, whether it's interns or entry-level people or, you know, coaching people through their, you know, through their careers. And, and, you know, I think it's very much a, you know, show us, don't tell us mentality. You know, if you want to work, if you want to work in, in events, you know, don't don't tell us about everything you've done. You know, show us. You know, here are here are here's a, a you know a intramural basketball tournament or a, you know a FEMA council basketball tournament that me and, and three buddies organized. You know, last year. Here's you know our sponsorship plan. Here's you know uh, how we grew attendance year over year. Like those are the kind of things that I think you know when you're when you're interviewing or you know when you're reaching out to people. Um, and, and I also think you know for for you guys, you know, like your LinkedIn profiles obviously are going to be different than somebody who's been in the industry for two years, five years, ten years. So those are the kind of things I think carry some weight and, and, and differentiate you from from other people. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> I think it might get lost sometimes, but like I, I think you know, just working hard, outworking the person beside you, showing up first, leaving last, like those kind of things. Um, I, I still think hold weight. Uh, maybe I'm old school, but um, I still think those things hold weight. And, and um, uh, yeah, I, I really don't, you know, hard, hard work, it's very rarely trumped by anything else. So I, I think that, that would be uh, my, my advice for, for, for students. You can't really, agree. you can't really go wrong uh, with that, with that advice for sure. Like show, show up to class too. You know, don't don't be that guy that just shows up for you know the midterm and the final. Actually, show up to class. That would help it. For sure, for sure. Those are great points that um, that Spima students can definitely um, uh, take take from and uh, hopefully apply it to their professional lives. Um, we have one more question for you, and um, this question was um, actually it was started by. Um, <clears throat> The other co-host of this podcast, Ethan Crystal, who is currently in LSU on Exchange. Ethan, hopefully you are doing well, man. Uh, and I will let uh, Ryan introduce that question to you. All right. So this is yeah, kind of like a regular segment that we have at the end of each podcast here. And we were just curious if there's any like funniest thing that's ever happened in the office or if there are any like funny encounters that you've ever had with a pro athlete that you may be allowed to tell on the air here to us. That's actually a great question. Um, you know, I, I think funny stories, uh, yeah, I, I think um, my early, early days as a sales rep um, at the Sens, you know, some of those playoff um you know, I, I, I think back to, like, the, the Hamburglar Sens playoff run, you know, where we got in on the last day. Um, you know, that sales pit literally looked like a scene out of Wolf of Wall Street, uh, maybe <laughs> minus, like, a couple things. But it was, you know, we, we scored, you know, to go ahead by two. Uh, we knew we were going to make the playoff. The phones were going crazy. You know, we didn't leave for, for 24 hours. You know, oh those gosh. kind of things, I think, you know, kind of stick out. But, you know, uh, player interactions, I mean, um, I don't know if it's, it's not funny, but, you know, I think when I think of player interactions and, and somebody asked me this before, um, I think to Grey Cup in 2015 versus Grey Cup in 2016. And, you know, we went out to Winnipeg and lost, you know, the, the Grey Cup in, in, in Winnipeg to Edmonton. And, you know, our, our CEO was on the bus after and we were all dejected. And, you know, he, you know, he said, hey, you know, let's celebrate a good year. You know, let's have some fun. Let's crank up the music. You know, pass the beers. Like, let's let's celebrate. You know, the year. So, so we roll off this bus at about a twelve, and we roll into the meal after at the hotel with the players, their families, everything else. We're we're loud. We're you know we're we're coming off the bus in a good mood. And we walk in, and, and obviously the players are dejected. Their family. It, you could have heard a pin drop. Um, and you know, it was it was pretty awkward. So. You know, you flash forward to 2016, 
now that same group of staff will walk into that same after party with a lot of the same, you know, not just players, but, you know, uh, wives, moms, dads, cousins, kids, and the, you know, obviously the atmosphere is just unbelievable, right? So that, I think, was pretty cool, um, you know, looking back to see, you know, kind of the, the, the what the end result is or, you know, what the vibe is after, you know, um, this with the same group of people, but to, you know, on, on opposite ends of that spectrum. That's quite, that is, that's quite the story. And, uh, I do remember wa- watching that game on, um, on, on, on the TV. I'm not, I'm not, I don't really have a favorite, uh, CFL team. I, I just enjoy watching the league because, um, I like this, I like the style of play and, uh, and the, and the, and the, and the pace of it, uh, makes for good football, in my opinion. And, uh, if I, if I remember, um, when, uh, the Red Blacks went ahead, they had this, um, crazy bobbling catch, uh, to get, to get, to get into the end zone, if I'm correct on that. And, um, and then, and then when they, um, and then when, uh, and then they had to uh, have a huge defensive stand, defensive stand to stop um, the uh, then uh, CFL's most outstanding player, Bo Levi Mitchell of uh, the Calgary Stampeders, from reach from reaching the end zone, and um, and they got and they got done with uh, the veteran quarterback Henry Burris, who was uh, the cool age of uh, forty, like forty one at the time, or some insane yeah. number. Yeah, no, it was a pretty incredible day. All right, well, uh, I think that wraps up this episode of the SPEMA Council podcast. Um, Ryan, any final thoughts on your end? No, it was just it was great talking to you, Matt, again, and I really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your insight. Thank you very much. Uh, Matt? Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. It was great. All right. Well, again, Matt Bennett, thank you for being on the podcast. All of SPEMA uh, really appreciates your insight into your field of work, your experiences um, that led you that led to um, you now being at Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group. And there's there's a lot of pointers and advice that uh, sport management students can can take from, which I think is is really 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 great so that does it for this episode of spima council podcast we will see you in the next one but until but until then thanks for listening stay classy and we'll see you in the next one cheers and is a really fascinating look about how a sport counterculture can serve individuals uh in a way that you might not expect that's cool that's cool uh, next question. Other than uh, Major League Baseball stadiums, uh, what is your favorite sports venue that uh, you have visited? I think for that, I have to go back to West Virginia when I was there for a semester. Their football stadium, and even to count Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton, there's something about football stadiums where the crowd is so a part of that experience because for sure. For unlike sure. other sports is the 12th man or the 13th man it's you actually have an impact on the game yeah and when that team gets a false start you feel like you're wearing the jersey alongside them and those stadiums are built in such a way that you're facing other fans the sound just circulates inside and it just creates this unbelievable atmosphere which was so cool and the reason i really like the west virginia stadium as well is since it was collegiate football it was a bit masked by some of the corporate side of sport where right. there's, uh, you know, at halftime, there, it's not, it's more so the school band performing, the marching band doing this amazing yeah. performance, which uh, to me is so traditional and so unique to sport and like the reason or what sport would have been before there was jumbotrons with advertisements. That's cool. That's really, really, really cool. College sports is a different atmosphere, a different atmosphere altogether. Really, really, really young crowd, but the passion, especially in U.S. college sports, oh, yeah. uh, SEC, SEC, Big Ten teams, Big 12, you go down to the south, it's even bigger there. Yeah. But West Virginia is a, a huge college football school. Yeah. Um, we don't have, Unfortunately, we don't have uh, Country Roads as the outro music, but... Uh, <laughs> I can sing it. Uh, no, no, no. 
Let's 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 not let's not let's not let's not do that. I'm not much of a singer as well. Okay. So sounds good. Uh, the final question, and this is much this is more of a simple one that uh, relates back to your uh, job. What is, what do you think is the best part of your job for the Blue Jays? Our the mission of the Blue Jays is to get better every day so that we can win World Series championships and celebrate with our fans. And there is aspects of each part of that mission that I deeply connect with. And like I said, in terms of things I find gratifying, make me want to go to work every day. And I think, so we'll start with the get better every day. That connects with being a lifelong student, whether it's me learning about industry trends or Vladdy Guerrero working on his home run swing. We're all fulfilling that. Winning World Series championships, we're not going to sell for less than excellence. And then when it comes to um, celebrating with our fans, to me, that's the way I interpret that is people coming together through sport. And it's my job to not hit home runs, but to make sure that everyone watching it is having that amazing experience as part of the journey and part of the celebration. And I can say with confidence that there's not a single day where I haven't enjoyed coming to work, which sounds hyper cheesy, but I've worked jobs where that's not the case. And the fact that I have it here, I don't take for granted. I, I feel like I'm very lucky and have a really unique opportunity. I'm very grateful for the leaders who have created this environment. But to be able to um, have a, a job where I feel like I'm doing something that's meaningful to me and meaningful to others is the most beautiful thing and all that I could ask for with, with my job. Awesome, awesome. Well, I think that uh, concludes the episode. Uh, thank you, Evan, for being for being on. Uh, there's a lot of content uh, in this episode that you have mentioned that uh, I that I want every Spima student that views this to take to take to take a listen, learn from it, take notes, take notes if you can, because there's so much about uh, about learn about learning all the time, always having room to grow through asking questions. And just and just striving for and just striving for excellence in general, wherever wherever that may wherever that may be in the sport industry, whether it be in the pro sports, amateur sports, whatever sport field you you choose to, always strive for excellence and happiness. That's that's the big thing, and I can see you've achieved it for for uh, for your job. Um, that can again that concludes the episode. Thank you so much for uh, for being on. I really really appreciate it, and the rest of Spima does too. And um, thanks again, guys. We will see you in the next episode. And I hope uh, each and every one of you have a wonderful day. Thanks for having me. Stay classy, guys. Cheers.